Okay, beautiful. So uh, there should be a presentation. Yes. Hi. Yes. You know me and visuals. I'm all in all about that. Um, so this is a very different thing for me to speak about. Um, I was reading this particular book, um, and God, I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then God goes, there's a lot more into it. Do you know? I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, by the way, I want you to teach about it. I'm like, <laughs> don't really want to do that. It's not really my jam the way I do it. Um, but anyway, he, you can't argue with God, so that's where it is. So my title for this was going to be something like, No Longer Slaves, <laughs> Radical Letter, Partners in Christ, Disrupt. I really like the one disrupt, but my husband was like, well, it could have negative connotations. I'm a bit echoey here, am I? Um, no worries. So that's why the, the one things are going one way and the red one's going that way, because it is a disruption. Um, but I got a line from in it called, for love's sake. So what is the um, shortest letter in the Bible? Anyone know? Jude? Jude's a good answer, but not quite. Philemon. Yes, Philemon. Philemon or Philemon, depends where you come from, but scholars say Philemon. So we're going to turn to Philemon. I'm going to read it. Yes, chaps, we're going to read it. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's over there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to read it. It's quite long, so just bear with it. But the reason I'm reading it is because you need to get the whole story of what's going on. If you want to just listen, Sometimes it's good. If you're an auditory learner, you just want to hear that dulcet British tones reading the word, then you, you got that. If you want to follow along, it's Philemon. Philemon is just after Titus and just before Hebrews. It's still tucked away there. So we're going to read this together. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and the faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I've come to you for I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper. Yet, for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you, for my child Onesimus, whom I have forgotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me, even your own self as well. Yet, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, so I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers, I will be given to you. Ephraim, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Archie, something else, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So just such a great um, title there. So we're going to have, the, the sermon today is going to be much more of a teaching sermon. So let's just pray before we start. I just want you to just hold your hands out and just, just close your eyes. And Father, I just pray that each person here just receives something, receives something this morning, this afternoon, just receives it, Lord God that you are just so into the, every single one of the persons in this room, something beautiful, something strong, something that will go the distance in your name. Amen. Beautiful. So this is the only letter that Jesus doesn't talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, that Paul doesn't talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, and you'll see why later. And he wrote it, it was really radical for the time. So to be honest with you, I read this year, you know, not so, a few weeks ago. And I was like, eh, do, 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 do. okay, yeah, that's nice, Hebrews, you know. <laughs> um, and, I, and then I was like, well, God, what? And he said, stop, what are, you, what are you saying in this? This is actually a very radical letter for the time. It upset the status quo. So we're gonna go to the next slide. Um, there's three characters, one story, right? Next slide. We have Philemon on this side. Where are we? This side, Philemon. I'm looking over there. Um, we have Philemon on this side. Philemon was a very well-to-do person. He lived in Colossae. He met Paul, probably in Ephesus. I know there's a lot of geeky background, but it's really fun to know it. Once you start delving into the word and realizing all the ins and outs of it, it's actually really, really cool, right? I'm a bit, I like history, so um, I guess there's something in there too. But I love to know the background, what was going on in this time. Now, I want you to also imagine a modern day movie to this, okay? So, because we're gonna swing from modern day movie to what it was like then. So Philemon, he is a well-to-do person. He meets uh, Paul in Ephesus. He gets saved, he follows the Lord, he's amazing. He thinks this is great, I wanna do more of this. I wanna spread the news, to spread the gospel. And so he starts a church in Colossae with some other folk. And they have this little house church in Colossae. Don't forget, house churches upset status quo. Most stuff was done in the synagogue. Now we're going to these houses and worshiping the Lord. Super weird, right? For, for that time. And it was just like, wow, this is radical, right? So he was a Roman um, citizen and he owned slaves. Now to us, that just feels like, ugh. No, it feels like any kind of slavery just feels terrible to us. But in those times, it was the norm. They usually got slaves from foreigners or prisoners of war, sailors were captured, but most slaves um, were people who owed money. So you owed money to somebody and you, hadn't, you couldn't pay it, 
There's no credit cards in those days. We didn't just go into an overdraft situation. You were done. You were in debt, and now what do you do? You then have to work for that household for nothing, and you have to pay off your debt. So you can spend years and years and years paying off your debt. And I guess they just wrote it down like, okay, you've worked this week, that's $10 or whatever. And you just keep paying off your debt by working for these people. And it could be all race and races and ethnicities. It wasn't, it wasn't so much, you know, this race we're taking into um, account. And slaves in that time were also not always, um, what can I say, sort of... Um, the lowest of the low. Now, they were in the system of hierarchy, class system. In England, we have like, well, we do. Do we still have it, James, class system? We kind of still do. We don't want to talk about it. But you have, you have the upper class and the middle class and the lower class. The lower class are the people who swept the floors and everything, and the upper class are obviously the lords and ladies and all the rest of it. And it was kind of like that in Roman times, you know? So the slaves were definitely the most least of the least. But they were also in the households. They were given some pretty good tasks. They could be butlers or housekeepers. They could even be administrators or secretaries. Some of them were even civil servants. They just had no money and no voice and no say. No pay, no say. So it was tough for them as a, as a slave in those times. And then we have Paul on one, the other side. Um, he's that side. Um, Paul was in prison at the time. He was probably in Rome. He probably had this little um, bigger room because he was a Roman um, citizen, so he would have had a sort of bit nicer cell probably, which means he could write letters. So as we all know, he wrote letters from jail quite a bit because he was quite often in jail, poor guy. You know? But he was in jail. Why was he in jail? Because he was proclaiming the gospel, because he was out doing the work of the gospel. How many of us would do that? How many of us would go like, oh no, I'm not gonna do that because I might go to jail. He was bold, he was brave, and he went to jail. So he was writing this letter from jail. And then we come to the guy in the middle, Onesimus. Now, he was a slave, and he did something wrong. So he's a slave to Philemon, and he did something wrong, and he ran away from Philemon. Now, we don't know what he did. We can only presume that he probably stole something. He either secreted money out through books, bookkeeping or something, or he stole something of value, and he ran away from Philemon. If you're caught, if you run away, you will at the least lashed and probably put in jail, and you could be killed. So if you're running away, you don't want to be found. So he ran a long way. We think he got away about a thousand miles. It's quite a lot of in those days when you don't have a car. <laughs> That's a lot of walking. I'm sorry. I can only do three miles and I'm, out. I'm done. So he went a long way to get away. And at some point, he met Paul. Now, I would like to say... Let's go into the movie situation here. And I'm sorry for all this background, but it's really important to know, right? It's and it's kind of interesting, maybe, to some of you. Um, he went all this way, and he met Paul. That's why this, this Philemon could be a movie. There's 
Finally, one on one side, Paul on another. So we don't know when he met Paul. He might have met Paul when Paul was not in jail and Paul was proclaiming the gospel and he listens to it and goes, this is amazing. This is radical. This is, I want to follow this Jesus. He follows this Jesus. Then Paul gets put in jail and he goes to jail and helps out Paul and becomes Paul's assistant. Or the other alternative is that Paul is in jail and Isthmus goes into jail for something else he's done. And... Um, they meet there. I don't think that's quite true, as I think he would have been transported back to Philemon on that one. And he wasn't. So, let's, so that's what he was doing. So the story goes of the movie, don't forget this is the movie. He's in jail, this is, this is a total license here. I am an actor, so I'm always trying to think of the outside. So he's in jail and Paul's writing a letter to, let's say, Ephesus or something. And he goes, oh yeah, oh, have you heard what they're doing in Colossae? It's amazing. And he's like, Colossae, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know Colossae, yeah. Um, yeah, f- there's a guy there called Philemon, and he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know Philemon, yeah. You know Philemon? How do you know Philemon? And there he has a choice. In my head, he had a choice to say whether he was actually a runaway slave or not. And he chose to do that. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. There's like, there's so many beautiful things in this of confession. You know, the, um, the Anglican church or the, uh, especially the Catholic church has this confessional thing. Um, I've been watching this silly show on TV called Father Brown, if anyone's ever watched it. And um, you know, they come in for confession. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we don't have to do that anymore. But there is something to do about confession putting things on the table and going, I'm doing this, or I've done this, and I just want to put it on the table and get rid of it. Because if it stays in here, it comes a secret that you don't need, and it just festers in there. You don't need that. It's kind of totally going off on a tangent here. But that's what Onesimus did. He was like, I've got to tell you something, Paul. I was a slave to Philemon, and I ran away, and I did all these bad things, and, and now I'm here. <laughs> And so then Paul's left with a dilemma. He's got Philemon, he's, who he thinks of sort of the world of. He's got Onesimus, who he thinks the world of. But they're both in Jesus. And now it's time to reconcile them together. And he writes a letter to Philemon as a mediator, asking him to take Onesimus back. Now, there's, you have to understand, this is not something that people do in those days. They just don't. This is radical. This is a radical letter. This is somebody who goes, I'm going outside of the norm to say, I'm gonna, I want you to reconcile together. But not only reconcile. He's not only saying, okay, will you take Anismus back? Um, he'll pay off the stuff he, he, he stole and can you put him back in his position or maybe a position lower? Would that be okay? No, he's asking, will you take Onesimus back, forgive him, and bring him into your family as part of your own? That's huge. So I want you, you to just use your imagination now. I, I love using our imagination to think, okay, you are all in your homes. You have a cleaning lady who comes to your home, cleans your home, right? Let's say you're very wealthy and she comes every day. That would be nice, right? Um, I just like her to come once a week. But anyway, um, she cleans your home and she starts taking 
precious things in your home. Jewelry, money, it's precious sentimental things. You find out, and before she, you confront her, she runs away. And she runs to 1,000 miles away. Where's that? Oregon. Oregon. She goes to Oregon. Thank you. She goes to Oregon. I was thinking she might go east, but... Um, she goes to Oregon, she goes north, right? She goes to Oregon, and while she's in Oregon, she's wandering around thinking, oh, what should I do? Oh, I'm gonna go and steal something else because I need to live, and she meets this guy called Paul, and he tells her about Jesus, and she becomes a Christian, and she's like, this is amazing, how can I help you out? Can I be your intern? I'd love to be your intern, great. So let me help you, blah, 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 and we write letters and we do things together, right? And then at some point, he finds out, oh, you're John's cleaning lady. Oh. So he writes a letter to John or Jane and says, hey, I've got um, the cleaning lady here. I can't remember what I gave her name as. And, <laughs> and I want you to take her back. I want you to take her back. And not only that, I want you to forgive her. And I want you to, to prepare a room for her. You've got a spare room. I want you to have her as part of your family. How many of us would do that? I'm not sure I would. I mean, my trust has been broken for a start off, you know? But to actually do that, that would be huge, right? And it was even more so in this culture. Culture was honor and shame. And that was the two things that were going on there. Culture of honor and shame. So that's what happened. He wrote that letter. And I really, it's very simple. Let's do the next slide. I really only have two points today. There's so much in this. There's so many different points in this, so many different things I can take away from this. But the one thing that God really showed me was the first one, was honor. Should be next slide. There we go. Um, so there's two points. The first one is honor. And it's interesting, because right at the beginning, Jesse says something about honor, giving God honor. I'm like, ah, oh, so good. He also mentioned my second point. That's right, I was super excited. That's like, Jesus, Jesus is in the room. Um, all right, so if we look at the beginning, um, he says, um, Paul was, goes on about, hey, Philemon, our beloved brother, and Aphia, our sister. Aphia, we think, is his wife. And then down to verse four, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. So he just goes on and on at the beginning about, I love you, I think you're amazing, what you're doing is great. He gives him honor. Now you don't understand that the, he's an apostle, he is higher in theory, in the honor and shame culture than Philemon. So he could easily say, look, hi, it's Paul, um, do this. But he doesn't, he gives him a whole load of honor. And then if you look at the end part as well, he says, um, uh, yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the law, refresh my heart and the spirit, having confidence in your obedience. Verse 20, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. He just gives this whole sandwich in there of you're amazing, you're great, the people you're working with are great, and then the same at the end. We call this a sandwich conversation. And I wanna just give you a little bit of leadership tip here. This is a great way to have a conversation with somebody, either 
your spouse or friend or whoever, you're amazing, you're great, you're fantastic. There's this little adjustment I need to make or we need to talk about or this thing we need to talk about. By the way, I'm just so glad you did this. This is great. This is beautiful. It's called the sandwich conversation. And he does that. He, he, he just that, does that from right from the get-go. He doesn't order him. He honors him. And he talks about this. Uh, it's, um, it's in verse 6. I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So we're hearing that, for Christ's sake. We hear it in such an expletive term, but for Christ's sake. But the fellowship there means koinonia. It's a, it's a Greek word meaning koinonia, and it means to partner with the Holy Spirit, to partner with God. That, and for a person like Paul is partnering with Philemon. We are all partners in Jesus just because I'm a pastor here does not mean to say I'm any better than any of you. I have no, I am partnering with you in the gospel of Jesus. I need every single one of you in this church because we are partnering together. And that's what Philemon and Paul, Paul is saying to Philemon. We're partners together. He's pretty good. He's, it's also quite funny in this. If you go into this a lot more, and we don't have time today, but he does do a lot of little word plays, which is actually quite fun. But he honors him in that. He honors him by saying, I'm not authority. I, I could tell you what to do, but I'm telling you, you are my partner. I need you. You're part of this. And he honors Onesimus by praising him, by calling his, him a son. So if you go down to um, verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. Um, interesting, that verse 11, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and me. Do you know what Onesimus means? Useful. <laughs> so he plays a little, a little play on words there. He was formerly useless, and now he's useful because he, Onesimus, his name means useful. So you know, all these little ins and outs as you delve into the word, it's, I don't know, I find it fascinating. Um, <clears throat> so don't forget, a slave occupied the bottom tier of the social pyramid. A slave had no honor, and he was supposed to live with shame. Can you imagine that? That's awful, eh? And yet, he has come all the way around, and then Paul, there's Paul, the apostle of all the church in the area, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Invite him in. Oh, how much more can we do that? We are called to honor everyone. Um, we are called to honor people who are younger than ourselves and people who are older than ourselves. I was with um, my mentor the other day, and he's about 85 now. Man of oh God, that man is, he's been preaching all, almost all his life. And, um, but he's about 85, 89. He was on a computer. I, we had to get him a new computer and all that kind of stuff. And oh my word, it was like, no, 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 click here. No, 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 it's this, it's this, no, just, uh, Oh, you know, and you just want to go, oh, just click it, you know, and I'm so tech savvy and he's not, but it's just being honorable to him and spending the time just going, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's good, 
And then realizing, you know, I kind of wanted to leave because I had stuff to do. I'm a stuff to do person. And realizing, actually, no, I need to spend a bit more time with him. He's widowed now after 63 years of marriage. I, he needs time with me just to sit and talk. And, you know, we talk about computers. Who cares, you know? It's just honoring him for all his service and who he is. So I just think it's so important that we honor one another. Um, I just I feel like we don't do that enough. We don't radically honor people that we should. We should honor people, whether they deserve it or not, okay? Honor where honor is due is not actually what it says in the word. We give due all due. So we need to honor people. We need to honor them, whether we believe in it or not, whether we did, they deserve it or not. We need to honor them and love on them, okay? It's just, we will be, we will be known by that partnership that is in us in Jesus. We have Jesus right in us, partnering with us, and we have to show Jesus to other people. So if you get that customer service person on the line who is like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah, okay, yes. No, I don't know anything about that. You say, hey, how's your day going? <laughs> this is to honor that person. Even though you're just gonna go, what the heck, you know? That tricky customer service person, just love on them, just honor them. You don't know what has happened prior to that. You don't know their boss has said something. You don't know that they are not being paid enough. You don't know their hours are awful. You don't know what's going on in their lives, okay? And when that minute that trigger comes up that you just wanna act humanly in this, and you just go, wait a minute, I'm partnering with Jesus, and I'm gonna honor that person and go, hey, you sound like you're upset. Have I done something wrong? Or it'll just usually dispel it right away. Not always, but you can do, you can try your best. All right, and the second point is love's sake, for love's sake by reconciliation. We are called to be radically into reconciliation. And it's funny because uh, Jesse did talk about that right at the end, he talked about the reconciliation. So the forgiveness of Onesimus, Philemon's forgiveness of Onesimus is because they're partners in Jesus, and I talked about that earlier. It is upsetting the status quo. As we reconcile with people in our lives, whether it be at work, or at home, or in the extended family, or wherever, we will be partnering with Jesus in reconciling with people. And that makes us radical, and that upsets the status quo. So for instance, I had a, a neighbor, quick story, I had a neighbor who a uh, year or so ago was being really difficult with me. My other neighbors found out about it and they were like, oh, you know, you should just totally ignore her now. And you know, she should just totally, you know, just tell her where to go, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm gonna love on her. But she's, she's just been so mean. Well, she hasn't been great, but um, I'm just gonna still love on her. I don't know how you can do that. It's because I love Jesus, that's why. And they know it. Unresolved conflict between Onesimus and Philemon couldn't happen. Paul was in jail in Rome. He could have said, okay, Onesimus, I hear you've done that. Oh, well, just stay with me and work with me. He's like, I can't have this with this brother over here and this brother over here in Jesus. They need to get together and be reconciled and have forgiveness. And if there's someone in your life, whether it's in church 
or it's in your neighborhood or it's in your family that you haven't reconciled with, you need to do it today. Okay, you need to do it today. And I want to tell you about a story. If you were here the other week, I was speaking about an extended family member who had been quite mean to me. And um, I spent sort of half the drive home crying about it, which is unlike me. And, um, but I chose to love her anyway. And I reconciled with her in my heart, not quite the same as her because she wasn't willing to come forward, right? But I chose to love her. I chose to go, I, I am going to not have this. I'm going to have peace between us. I am going to love you no matter what. And I was on the phone with her the other day for about an hour and a half, and we were just talking and talking. I'm like, this phone call's going on for a while. And she's talking and talking and shooting the breeze, and it got more and more like this, more and more like finding out how she was doing in certain areas. And... Um, she was actually opening up to me. And then I said at the end, I said, hey, Jane. I'm going to call her Jane. Sorry if you're a Jane. I call everyone Jane. My middle name's Jane, so, you know. Um, <laughs> hey, Jane, um, I just want to say uh, I really love you. I really care about you. And she starts bawling, crying, crying, crying. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry I said all these things to you. I'm so sorry, you know, da, 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 da. And she, I spent, it's okay, it's all right, don't worry. And her family, if you said those mean things, you would never talk to that person again. You'd cut them off, okay? Glenn's parents were cut off early on from his siblings. His siblings didn't want to, I don't want anything to do with the family. Don't want anything to do with the parents. We're not talking to them anymore. So we're being radically different by saying, hey, we are going to radically reconcile with people and be radically different in this world and, and stop the status quo. I, I just get, I get so excited when I'm like that. We need to have peace with people. We need to have peace with people. So Paul is an example. Um, let's do the next slide. Um, so why didn't Paul mention Jesus' death and resurrection? Anyone know? Because, next slide... He is showing that in between these two people. It's the word he didn't, he said, if you see it, Paul, I think it's, um, where is it? It's in um, verse 18. For he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I will repay it. That's what he was showing. That's the only reason he didn't show Jesus' death and resurrection, because he was showing what it was like to say, I will stand in the way, and I will take that debt of what he owes. He might have owed thousands or thousands of dollars, and Paul's going, I will take that debt so that you two can be reconciled, so you two will have forgiveness. So everywhere in the word is Jesus, right? Everywhere in the word is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And here's a fun fact. Um, I'm nearly finished, but here's a fun fact. If you go into um, sort of um, church writings, there's this thing called the apostolic canons. And it just, it's just basically church writings. And 300 AD, there's a little line about... Oh, and uh, of a church near Colossae, and there's this name of this man called Onesimus. And they mention him. They say, oh, he was a slave. He was freed by his master, and he became a church leader. So good, right? And they're pretty sure it's the same guy, right? That he was a slave, he was freed, and he became a church leader. So from this 
this out beginnings of stealing something and what was this incredible sin, bad sin, comes all the way over here, gets redemption, comes all the way back here, gets reconciliation, and is, is grown and nurtured in the family of Philemon as part of the family to become a church leader, to spread the news, to spread the gospel. Whoa, it gives me chills, man, because this is what you could be doing, right? You could just be nurturing these people so that they can go out and spread the gospel. So good, so good. All right, um, last slide. So, this is something I want you to take home. Where do you need to partner more with the Holy Spirit? Where do you need to partner more with him? Where, are you, yes, where do you need to partner more with him, hey? Where you, or, uh, with the whole Trinity. We need to disrupt the norm with our partnership with Jesus. Are we doing what the world does or what Jesus wants us to do? Are we doing what the world does or what Jesus wants us to do, right? We are partners with him. So when we're out with people, you're in your work environment, and I know what it's like. I used to work in corporate. It's not easy, right? But you can partner with Jesus, koinonia, and reconcile with people and honor people. Who do you need to show more honor to? We need to cause chaos by being so honorable to each other. Our spouses, our colleagues, our bosses, our neighbors, our friends, people in the church, whoever, we need to be radically showing honor and show chaos, disruption. And who do you need to reconcile with? There's that one person where you're like, yeah, things aren't great, maybe. I wanna make sure that's even better. And sometimes you might have to just do it in your heart. Sometimes you can actually do it with the person by maybe giving them a gift. There's a ways doing it. Talk to me, I, I'm, I like creative things to love on people. So the takeaway, last slide, for love's sake, just do it. <laughs> Becca knows that sometimes she'll go on about something and I'll say, just do it, just stop it, do it, you know. Just do it, just honor, just reconcile. Just for love's sake, okay? So when someone says for bleep's sake, you go, for love's sake. You know, <laughs> back at you, right? Um, can we get the, um, the band back up here? Is the band coming back up here? Stephen? Yes, this is great. I just want us to pray um, right now. So just, just close your eyes as the band comes up and just Father God, Father God, search our hearts, Lord God. Talks about that in the Word. Search our hearts. Test us. Try us, Lord Jesus. Move in us, Lord God. Show us where we need to show more honor. Perhaps to our spouse, husband, our wife, our children, our roommates our colleagues, our bosses. Where do we need to show honor to people in the supermarket, our neighbors, our friends? Father, help us to be more honoring to people, more honoring to you as we partner with you and rec reconcile us, Lord God. Thank you for your reconciliation of Jesus dying on the cross for us. Huge, huge debt he paid. Help us to reconcile with others, Lord Jesus. 
Help us to be radically, radically sold out for you. Amen.